Fire it up, footballers. James here with Jiggly and Coach Piotr no Piot Nowak uh, <laughs> to save the day. Welcome, Coach. Uh, Piotr, how are you? I'm good. You guys? We're doing fantastic. It's so great to have you here. Uh, welcome to Spinning Fire YT. Everybody smash that like button, uh, share this. It's going to be an awesome talk here with Piotr Nowak, uh, the, the first member of the Ring of Fire. We need a little mm -hmm. intro here. Uh, uh, coach, you were you came you were born in Pabianice, 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 Poland. Yes. Uh, your first team, what was it, Vloki Narej Pabianice or or? No, that's the Polish name, Vukiasz Pabianice. <laughs> I'm gonna butcher these. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> in advance. Uh, I see GKS Belkatow. No, GKS Belkatów. Wow, I was off. GKS Belkatów. Belhatów. Belhatów. Zawisza Bigdowiszyś? Bydgosz. Zawisza Bydgosz. Zawisza Bydgosz. 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 I'm getting a Polish lesson. It's Sunday Polish lesson. Barkira Kaspor. Barkira Kaspor in Turkey, in Istanbul, yes. And then to Young Boys. Young Boys Bern, then Dynamo Dresden, Kaiserslautern, and 1860 Munich. And then... Chicago Fire. There you go. There you and go. that is it. And then uh, DC United. Coach? Or, oh, and then so two years <laughs> later, after retiring from Chicago Fire. One year. One year, my dear. One year later. <laughs> he becomes coach of DC United and wins MLS Cup in his first year of asking. He's got some stories um, to tell, I'm sure. I've got, my, uh, I've got the official checkup on that. He is the only player currently to have won the MLS Cup as the captain of his team and also as the coach. I was the first one, I believe, then uh, the, yeah. there was in the, in the broadcast. Uh, I think JP Camela, JP Della Camera was mentioned. And I think I was the first coach in uh, 50 years on all American sports to win the, uh, the, the championship trophy as a player and the coach in all sports, in all American sports after retiring in after one year or two years. I think it was two years those guys making this category, but there was in 50 years. I was yeah. I'm trying to think of like who would be even close. And yeah, I don't think so. That's incredible coach. Uh, Piot. uh <laughs> while at DC United for a few years, he gets a, You get an MLS all-star coaching. Uh, you, you get to coach the MLS all-stars. You also, I think you coach an MLS MVP during that time. Uh, what do you mean? I think you had an MLS MVP under your reign. No, there was, there was a MLS best 11 all time. Oh no no! When you when you were coaching at DC United, you had a player under you who got MVP as you as well as you were also MVP as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know you're right. Aleko Iskanderian was MLS MVP, uh, MLS Cup MVP, and then Christian Gomez later was MLS. Christian. MVP. Yes, Christian Gomez is one I was remembering as well. Uh, after DC United, I think you went to United States. Jiggly, Jiggly, hey Jiggly, yes. you're, that you're killing us with the typing. <laughs> ah, okay. I think I may have I may have something different going on right now. Then, so I okay. No worries. Uh, so United, I'm not going through my mic. Uh, United States Youth Under Twenty Three. You were coach of, and then you were coach with Bob Bradley uh, with the United States and assistant. Correct. So that was first, and then because Bob was interim coach uh, for the national team as well as the U Twenty Three, and later on, after like six months, he became the the head coach for the for the U.S. men's national team, and I became the head coach of the U.S. Olympic team or U Twenty Three team. Yes. 
Uh, then you return to MLS. You take over Philadelphia Union. We all know how this ended, so <laughs> move on. <laughs> Uh, uh, and uh, I know a lot of people have been asking me about it. <laughs> uh, Antigua and Barbuda. Nothing to, nothing to hide, James. Nothing to hide. Nothing to hide. We'll, we'll ask you about it in a little <laughs> bit then. Uh, we'll see what you say about it. Uh, Antigua and Barbuda. Yeah. The first one was uh, before that I was coaching here, the boys and girls in uh, and uh, Kirkut is in my background in Delaware, Kirkut mm -hmm. uh, Youth Soccer Club. And there was, uh, you know, the basically boys and girls from age 10 to 16, which, you know, it's have to have to reboot and then go to the basics. I would say uh, go to back to the roots. It was mm. very, very rewarding experience for me. And then in the meantime, come the, the, the president from the CFU, uh, Gordon Banks, uh, Derek, who, you know, Ask me if I can help him, you know, to establish some programs within the Caribbeans because the CFU is, um, uh, they have like CONCACAF, there's a part of CONCACAF, they have 31 countries uh, based in, Bar uh, in Antigua and Barbuda. So he asked me to help him to set up some programs for the FIFA and for the boys and the girls. And after I came, um, after one or two months, he gave me the position of the technical director and head coach because they, there's a different, uh, how you say that? Is a different positions. The technical director is the boss. Basically, he's a head coach of the mm -hmm. national. The head coach, the name of the head coach is like your assistant coach. So I was doing that. And uh, also the programs for the, we set up grassroots programs for the boys and girls of 13. So I coach them. I coach all the teams from 15, 17, 19, 20, uh, 23 and the national team. So basically I have five day training uh, with this national teams. They go back to the clubs, respectively from Tuesday, Wednesday, depend on the team. And then Saturday with the league games. So I've been there for like five, six months straight and come back and do it again in, uh, in the spring. So it was very rewarding, you know, listen, when I came with, with the, the national team program was, Antigua have only 90,000 people, mm. 90,000. So we, we have to go and scouting some guys in England. So we, we find a couple of guys that they, they have the heritage, they want to play for us. And we start to combine those guys, bringing them to Antigua and for the games, for the camps, and just integrate together with the Antigua guys. So, you know, the whole program will be better. We invited to the charities, the foundations, just to get the country together. And believe it or not, when I left, uh, I mean, we started with the number 145 in the FIFA ranking. I don't know what it is right now, but when I left, at some point we've, we've been 70, and when I left, we were 82. What? So, Wow. So we were the small, the Antigua was the smallest country per capita in the first 100, which means we have additional funding from FIFA because of the results we have. And as well as it helps the founding, help us to build the facility. They have right now the facility for the youth. That's so it's, it's more like, uh, as I said, it's more like a, a grassroots programs and, you know, develop, even if it's 90,000 people, you see, you still see the rewarding. And there was a couple of games we played. We beat Guatemala 1-0 in a World Cup qualifier. The whole country was just next day just stops nobody was working and that's had to be incredible because you had to set up this whole system probably from like bottom to top and you're like okay this here that there think uh, listen these guys were uh, you know at some point was very funny because you know i've been 
coaching, you know, on some level, professional level, that I am accustomed to the discipline and all this, you know. And I came to the first camp. <laughs> the first camp we've been in a, in Jamaica playing the Caribbean Cup, and there was my first tournament with them. So you know, we arrived in the hotel, and they said, I said to them, to the players and the coaching staff and everybody, and said, listen, guys. Um, Tomorrow we got nine o'clock breakfast, all right? And later on, we, we're gonna give you a schedule for training and so on because it was hot. So maybe we, we do something like light, you know, relaxing in the morning and then afternoon we train. Guess what time they, the first players show up, James? 10, so, 10.30. Well, somewhere around that, 10.15. He show up for breakfast, first player. The rest show up like between 10.30 and 10.45. And I was waiting for them, like, what are I supposed to do now? <laughs> so the second day, we have a meeting afternoon. I said, listen, guys, you know, I can give you 15 minutes, just, uh, you know, a little bit, so you can, you can make it the breakfast. Coach, right. come on, man. So I said, listen, just try. Just, you know, I cannot do, find you because they, you know, obviously they don't get paid for the, for the national team. But I said, please, you know, just out of respect. So the, the first players show up 10, 940, which was very significant upgrade. Small gains. Small, small things. So basically what we did, I said, listen, guys, on the third day, I believe, I said, listen, to the, the manager, which is the like, uh, you know, technical director who helped me just to organize everything. So I said to the manager, you go. Guys, we have a meeting. We have a meeting. Everyone from them have three phones, minimum two phones. So I said, get me one from, from each player, and I will set up the alarm for the breakfast, lunch, training, and so on. So I set up the alarm and give it back to them. 18, 20 players? Doesn't matter. But the point <laughs> was, they've been on time, you know? So small things, but I try to organize, get better with, with uh, you know, with uh, not only discipline, but let them understand this this how this is gonna go. And basically, you know, we have the results because of that. Because they change. I'm not gonna change the Caribbean way of thinking, but we have a lot of fun. We we you know that we train on the beach, we have a beach soccer competitions and stuff. So it was more like build them up, the self-esteem, the confidence in them. And then, you know, we have this first game uh, in the World Cup, first round in the World Cup qualifier that we play San Lucia. But because they don't have a stadium, the first game was in, the, the two games were in our on the, in our fields. Home field. Yeah, home fields. But the first one was home game, and the second was away game, but also home game. So we lost the first game three one. Oh. So at home. So now we have to go play in the same stadium a week later, a couple of days later. To play, and then we have president coming. Uh, Serviv-re uh, come, you know, the, the, how is the, the cricketer, you know, the, the very famous, yeah, the very famous, say, Viv Richards, right? Okay, Viv Richards, yeah, I think so. So it was like the prime minister came to our hotel. So we have all this, you know, very motivational how to do it. And I have with them only 10 minutes before the game. I brought in one big cigar and I said, I want to smoke this cigar after the game go out there and win it and guess what there was american referee one one zero six we scored in uh in the second half 60 something minute the american referee gave it the pk 
even they have already one or two red cards, he gave it PK for a San Lucia, 80, 80, 80 seconds, 83rd minute, right at the end. And we need to score two more goals just to take the, the oh. series and go in the overtime. 80, 88 minutes, 2-1, 93-1, 94, long throw, 4-1. The whole country stops that day. <laughs> so it's unbelievable, unbelievable feeling. I think it's some on the YouTube as well. In home, but it was an away game, but at well, home. And then, and then like the, uh, later like we have the Guatemala game with Fish Ruiz as well. Fish was very upset, but we beat them 1-0. We lost in uh, in Guatemala, but uh, there was good series we played. So, and then, you know, it's the one thing lead to another, and I have the, the offer from from Poland, so I took it. Why not? Uh, Lech, Lechia Gdansk? Lechia Gdansk. And uh, that's where you have uh, basically finished, right? And now you're back here in America? I am back in America, yes. All right. Uh, so, uh, all right. So we've gotten through a, a, most of your – and it was Viv Richards you were thinking of, the Antiguan cricketer. Yes. Um, so you were first time uh, – you were the first person in inaugurated into the Ring of Fire. Didn't Did you help create that? No. That or you were the Will. first one? That was, that was all Peter, Peter? creating it, yeah. I remember it was uh it was you, uh Lubos Kubik and oh, Lubos was later on. First one was, was Frankie Klopas. Yeah. Like the first, first the first three. Frankie Klopas. Yeah, but listen, guys, it's it's you know, it's been quite a journey we have here in Chicago with the team. And I think it's it's is uh you know considering the situation couple of years back now when you look at the team and look at the other team i think it's it's worth to to compare how and why the team was so successful i think it's it's we in some capacity you know the legacies is been forgotten you know when, when we mentioned uh, this united this is the last star they have on the jersey and i'm getting too old now to going to going to all the anniversaries you know 20 years fired didn't win the cup now that this United 15 years as well. So it's like, you know, this guy's got to try to make it. It's time. I'm getting too old now for the anniversary. We're getting stars. DC is doing pretty well this year, although they've they dropped off the past couple of weeks. But they, they've done pretty well. It's the fire that definitely have the – it doesn't look like they're winning anything anytime soon. Uh, listen, we will talk about it. I think we have the time to do this, so we can. <laughs> we're we're going to get to that later. Then. What about so coach? your questions? You have so much. Yeah, questions. Uh, yeah, we yeah. have a ton. <laughs> so, how did you first get involved in soccer in Poland, and what was the youth scene like back then? So, listen, <laughs> believe it or not, but I was born not in in the stadium, but I lived the first three years in the stadium per se. So you you were wait I'm hearing that hear that correct you were born in the stadium I mean you know I was born in the hospital but normally <laughs> I live with my mother and father we live the first three years we live in the stadium one of the like um, you know the rooms they converted to the to the uh, for the for the like for the families so we lived there for three years so basically I was raised and born over there in the stadium uh, with you know with five I start to getting with uh, my father who was playing for the team. I was going to the, uh, the, the camps and games and, you know, playing always around the, 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 the pitch. 
uh, even with the sandbox I was there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, basically just getting familiar with the players. Everybody calls themselves, like I called all the players uncles. They were my uncles, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a Polish thing too, I think. Yeah. Like all your friends' parents are kind of uncles. Well, you know, and then, and then you start to worry, you know, my, my father wasn't my first coach because he felt like he put too much pressure on me and he just moved me to the younger age. But I was too good for the younger age and I always go to, you know, one or two ages, a group ages higher. And then, uh, but he was, you know, much higher. Uh, so he, I, I just trained with these guys and I was always the smallest one. I was always the tiniest one, but he said like, listen, you gotta, you gotta make this true. It is going to be all, all of your life like that. And I gave you the, the funny story was when I was around nine years old, there was that maybe what make me, uh, in the, in the, in the past with, you know, the grit to win and all this winning mentality, winning, the, find the, the, the way to win. So I give you the story. When I was nine years old, uh, he came one Sunday um, and said to me, Your dad? You know, I have in July, my birthday was in July. So, you know, we go in the, in the camps and the new season came in September. And he said, uh, after that, he said, listen, regardless of what you're going to do, Whatever you're going to play, we're going to go to the woods and play 1v1. And he was quite a good player. He was one of the top four wingers in Poland. Right? Wow. And he said, we're going to play 1v1. No referees, no nothing. Me and you. And if you're going to beat me one day, that it means that you are a good player or you can be a good player. All right? So, you know, you're nine or eight years old. Doesn't matter if I have a games or not wow. every day because the games were in a, mostly like 11, 15 church and the game. And uh, so we mostly play in afternoons. So for years, week after weeks, can you imagine? Every time he beat me in this, even I was a little one, he goes to the neighbors, talk to the neighbors. Then he beat, you know, he beat me and 10, 2, 10, 5. You know, I didn't have a chance. Right? Oh, but you're scoring. 10 yeah. 2. Well, 10 I, was scoring, I was scoring, but there was no reference. So he just pushed me, threw me, <laughs> no, you know, going like crazy. Just trees, nothing more, just trees and us. That's why you, you probably as such a, maybe a fat, you're a littler, maybe you said like a littler midfielder, but you still were able to like push around people because you were dealing with your dad. <laughs> yeah, so but the point was still, you know, the point was still that all over the, the years, you know, I, I've become now. U13, U14, I start to play for the national teams, all right? Wow. So you feel like, oh, now I can do it, you know. Mm. I cannot beat him. Then I have my girl, first girlfriend. Now he, every time we have a girlfriend that um, I didn't even invite him later for, uh, for the, like a lunch, you know, Sunday lunch, because he was all over the place saying how he beat me. <laughs> you know? you know? Very competitive household. So, so now you go in the U19, U18, U20. I was U20. In, with 20 years old, I get married. Mm -hmm. I beat him when I was 22 years old. Finally. How old was he? My father was 48. Wow. That long reigned supreme. <laughs> so can you imagine what I hate losing? I can't lose. I don't know how to fail because yeah. of 
I don't know. And some some guys, you know, may say that you know I am, I uh, you know greedy or I want to win at all costs. Of course, I want to win at all costs. Small games, big games, it doesn't matter, you know, because I play with uh, with these United players. I play later with Lechia. And they said, Coach, you are so old. How you find the motivation to do this? I'm like, this is in my DNA. This is how I am. You got to find a way to win. Either you're going to be, not cheating, I would say, but look at what is possible to win the game. Because for weeks and months, I was thinking, what I should do? Okay, I'm going to kick him first. And then maybe after he's going to score another goal. I'm going to go and throw him the elbow in a... In uh, somewhere in the ribs, so maybe he cannot catch the breath. You got to think about possibilities, how to get the win. This is real player talk. This is awesome, coach. And you're absolutely right. Being a player, you are you have this. I mean, of course, you don't want to injure a guy, but you are whenever you're playing soccer, you are playing a battle. It's a gladiatorial battle, and you are there to beat the crap out of the other guy and make him feel, make him regret. You got to find the the way to win, James. Fairly. Of course. I have a fun story. Like, it's weird to say that it's a personal story about you, but I have a fun story of my own because uh, I remember back when back when the fire had their uh, meet the teams at like Enchanted Castle. Uh, you know, we'd play we'd play against you you and the other guys uh, in like you know foosball or air hockey. I played skee ball with Zach Thornton, but <laughs> uh, the difference was I played air hockey against uh, Coach Sarakin. And my sister played against you in air hockey. Sarah can let me a child win. My sister, who's only like maybe four years older than me, you destroyed her <laughs> in air hockey. You showed no mercy. <laughs> I know. I know. It's sometimes the people look and say like, "Here, you can't do this, man." It's like you got it. Listen, I don't know what it is, but these days when I'm mentioned with uh, you know the whole thing, how how I was made. And basically, I was thinking about when I was in Switzerland as well. Because trust me, I have, when I start, when I start playing for Vukinas Pabianice, there was second division team. So it's first division, second division, right? Promotion, relegation, so you had to get promoted? Yeah. But, but the point was, I was 15 years old. My mother, when, you know, there was big factory behind it as a sponsor. So give me an example. My mother have... 24, 25,000, uh, let's say, dollars a month, working from 5 a.m. till 4 p.m. My father from 6 till 5, every day. And my father have 3,500. I have 10,000 for one game, four games in the in a month. Wow. 40 grand, 15 years old kid, a contract. Wow. So they have six to, together in one month? from four or five o'clock in the morning till four afternoon. And I have 10 grand for the way uh, for, to play the game. So soccer changed though, from when your dad was uh, a- So when I was like 16, 17 and 18 later, you know, I didn't get the money. I give it to all the, the family took it the whole money because that's, I don't need the money. Yeah. But basically I said to my father, I, you know, I start to, I, I felt like I have such a talent that nothing will happen to me. I'll be like invisible. You know In, what I mean? Invisible or invincible? No, like invisible, like nothing will happen to me. Oh, right? invincible, yeah. Invincible. So 
So it was like, you know, I start to getting the school wasn't there and this and that and start skipping some this and that. Oh. I was thinking that I'm the greatest player in the world. And then my father, like six months before the school, in my final year in the high school, I have very bad grades, really bad. Because I was with the national team, you know, like I didn't care. I'm I'm a football player. Mm -hmm. And he took it to me to the side and said, listen, son, all right, what do you want to be? And I said, what do you want? What are you talking about? I am the football player. One of the greatest the Poland produce. <laughs> what are you talking about? Wow. And he was like, listen, you are one injury away to go on the street and clean the street or working in McDonald's. We didn't have McDonald's, but that was, you know, his point that you're going to clean the streets if you're not going to finish your education first. Mm -hmm. And the second, you, are, you have to think about the future. So basically, I finished the school in a good way. And then the whole thing starts to, you know, develop. But to be honest, the first thing, I always treat my talent very lightly. I knew I have a great talent. I knew I'm, you know, one of the best on the field, regardless when I play in Poland and Turkey. But the Switzerland thing opened my mind, opened my eyes. What, what happened there? You know, as I said, I came to Switzerland very, you know, like in the first day, they tried to make a, like a tryout something i just you know i was dribbling everybody and shooting this that they signed me after like the first training they signed me and then uh, what happened in there there was a, a there was a coach speak like four languages he never played football never played soccer but he was more like a teacher like a mentor to me mm -hmm. you know and he said we have this loop we have to run about the one, one was 3.4 kilometers loop. And we have to make it three runs. So 10 kilometers on Monday afternoon, right? Every Monday, every, uh, every Monday, the whole season afternoon. So, you know, I've been so was, six and a half miles or something like that. There was no, any time you can come wherever you want. And I was always the last, I hate running without the ball. I hate run, to run. Mm -hmm. I hate, I don't know why, but this is Eric's. And after the training, he was waiting. What did you were competitive in? <laughs> I was the last one, last one, every training. And like after like one, two months, he was waiting for me. It was already dark. He was waiting for me. And he said, Peter, you have such a talent. Who you want to be? And similar to my father. And said, listen, if you improve yourself a little bit with the fitness, with this, you will play in six months in the Bundesliga. I'm like, coach, what? Well, I need the Bundesliga. I'm very happy. But listen, every week he was coming to me and who you want to be, what do you want to accomplish, what do you want to win? And I'm like, at some point, I can, I can tell you, I cannot tell you when, but this thing click it like it's something banged. And after four months, I was third. Third in the whole team. Like we have really good runners. It's not like, you know, you, you went from last to third and, 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 and just I was the, the, the top, I was second. I cannot beat the first guy, but I was second. And in three months later, I played in the Bundesliga. Wow. Right. And then in Bundesliga was even harder. I give you the story. I came to Bundesliga to Dresden in September. You know, playing wasn't the problem. We beat the first game was great. I scored a couple of goals and everybody was happy. But then they come the preseason. 
And the preseason, the coach came to us and said, gentlemen, for the next three weeks, you will run 25 kilometers in the morning every day from Monday to Saturday. That's 15 miles, 15 and a half miles. Holy cow. Every day. So he gave us the group. So, you know, he gives us, Mr. Novak, you are in group two. Okay. He was, that time, Ziggy Held, our coach, was about 50, 52. He played in the, at Wembley uh, uh, World Cup final 1966 against oh. England. So wow. he was my coach, Ziggy Held. All right? He was so fit that you cannot imagine. So he was running in group three. So we have five groups, and then six was goalkeepers and injuries. Right? After like four days, I couldn't come from the stairs down in my apartment. I couldn't come down. I was walking backwards. Legs were just done. Right? And the coach would lift under me, and then he, you know, you know I, I go downstairs, like, uh, you know, going backwards, and he's like, Hernovak, everything okay? I'm like, yes, coach, no problem, no problem. <laughs> I'm moving again, I'm moving. So after two weeks, believe it or not, or 10 days, I was degraded to, the group I was running with the groups, goalkeepers and injuries. I can make it 25 kilometers every day. And afternoon training is not like you, you have nothing in afternoon. 15 miles before training. Holy cow. We have in the morning from 10 to 12, we run. And then afternoon, we start 3.30, another training. So it's like all combined, prepare me in the Switzerland to do this. I will not survive in the Bundesliga. Nobody can. If you don't know the language, you know, in, uh, in 1860 Munich, there was a lot of intrigues in the team, a lot of, not groups, but intrigues. And I was the one who I talked to Werner Laurent. Werner was, you know, we can talk about hours about Werner because his mentality was exactly like the guy in Dresden. When I came to the 1860 Munich, he said to us, he made a big meeting. There was new players, like six new players, and the old squad who advanced from the second division to the first. He gathered us and said, like, we, you are very, very bad players. I'm not going to say the bad word, but basically he said, yeah, you are right. very bad players. All right? So my idea is if we run two or three times more in training and in the game, then we have a chance to draw the game, to tie the game versus Gladbach. Versus it's like, and I call, I'm like, Werner, trainer, coach, we cannot do this. We have to play football. We have to play soccer. Now, Peter, these guys cannot make it. You can make it, but those guys not. But this come to, you know, conclusion, uh, I just want to make a point that oh. this all with the father, with the Swiss guy, with his name was uh, Martin Trimpler, my coach uh, at Young Boys Bern. Very great gentleman. He coached the uh, youth Swiss national teams from U21 to down 15s and so on. Great gentleman. I, uh, you know, I really respect him. Werner was com completely different stuff, like madman running in the whole thing. But that's, that's, you know, how the, 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 the life was. Either you adjust, or you said, no, I cannot do it. I'm going back to the comfort zone, back to my country. I never go back. From 1990, when I left Poland, I never come back. Is that kind of why you were considered an outsider in Poland? 
that's what we're talking about yes yeah yeah so that's interesting uh and then you go to bundesliga and you arrive in the bundesliga and i think you win M your player maker of the year eventually after this change i have my five minutes i have a new contract you know uh, they didn't want to go i have an offer for uh from tottenham hotspur before i joined chicago fire oh Tottenham. yeah there was the agreement we have with with my coach and the president karl-heinz wirmosen which was a great man um you know he brought me there and basically i have a great relationship with him and they said to me because you know i was already 33 years old they told me then if i have a good offer from outside then they're gonna let me go and the offer from tottenham come like uh august 97 and they asked for 10 million 10 million uh, 5 million us dollars and everybody got upset from tottenham for me was the offer was about three million pounds a year it was huge money that time that time yeah huge money so i got upset but uh you know at the end i still play and then i said listen we have to we have to get a solution to that and uh bob come with uh with deputy commissioner sanil gulati to to munich uh bradley bob bradley came to munich with sanil and uh you know we make it uh we make a contract in like five minutes I, I remember hearing a hearing a story about how like they the team had signed you before the name was announced i like i vaguely remember that story the first signing Something i believe like that yeah. I'm not sure there was I'm not sure there was the name I think was right right my signing was I mean the Bob and Sanil came right after maybe one week and then I have you know there was good timing because I was injured and we already been talking I talked to Bob a couple of times on the phone you know my English wasn't that better I mean uh, that good as it is today maybe it's not but your I'm English is fantastic doing my best but anyway they come they come like we talk and they said like okay so we will come i said yeah please do and then uh, the funny story we were driving you know in bavaria is no no uh, the speed limit so i came to kempinski hotel in the um, munich airport and then we talk we make all you know talking and everything is good and i said okay let's go to the game and there was no speed limit so i have you know I have autobahn a, I have a very fast car, I mean, a fast car, that time, big one, very, you know, big, and you cannot even feel it, the speed. <laughs> so Bob was sitting in the back and Sunil in the front, and I was driving about, I don't know, 260 kilometers, like 180, 170 miles per hour on the highway. Like, on the Autobahn? <laughs> out the Autobahn? You know, it's no speed limit. Yeah, so you're flying to the game. Listen, I didn't feel it the speed, but Sanil was, you know, like this, and <laughs> back like this, you know. So I'm like, come on, guys, what's going on? And that was going on. One day, and then uh, I came to sign the contract beginning of December. I, you know, uh, everything was prepared. Uh, Bob showed me the training facility. You know, I was more excited about the opportunity and then you know first thing i asked him what kind of players you're gonna get and bobby's you know bobby's as you see right now always was very like methodical to choose the players he's mm -hmm. not don't just, you have to be to be a good coach he's not just choosing you know the, the composition of the field of the players of the team we did talk about that 
from the early days till you know when we we separate ourselves when Bob goes to um, to Metro Stars and I retired. But we talk about the composition of the on, of, of the of the team, meaning you cannot you know the German way is very simple: two players in the position, right? And that is also in training. What do you mean, two players in the position, like the the first, the starter and the backup? No, is that two right backs, two left backs? Okay. Two defensive midfielders and so on. In okay. Germany was very simple. I can tell you that uh, just the story about this, just very quick. Every Tuesday morning, we play we play uh, for eleven months, the whole season. Every Tuesday morning, we play ten v ten. So let's say I play as a playmaker versus defensive midfielder, right? The right back versus right back, or the uh, right back versus left wing, and so on. Right. So was always rotating, and we play, my dear, ten versus ten, eighteen to eighteen. Three touches, nobody stands, nobody walks. The whole field, three times twelve minutes. All right. It seems okay, right? So I give you the example, and you you give me the answer. After after I took this United, took over this United, we have one week training in DC, and then we went to Florida for the camps. First mm -hmm. time I introduced the runs, seven thirty in the morning. You have to run for thirty minutes to cafeteria for breakfast. They like coach, you crazy? We want to sleep. I'm like listen, you gotta wake up, you gotta get ready for training. This is what we're gonna do. So after one week of the training, preparation for that, I knew I cannot do with them three times 12 minutes, they're going to die. I know that. So I, I was thinking about that. So I did, I did, you can ask Dima Kovalenko. On the half field, half field, mm -hmm. I did 10 v 10. So when the ball goes out, you kick another ball in, and when they start to, you know, it's 1 v 1. It's not just 1v1. So you play against me, so you have to compete, win, and so on, right? right. Nobody walks, nobody stands. You're always in a constant movement. And it's not like one guy is going to take the ball and the other one's just jogging and stuff, right? Everybody has to be involved. That's why Con it's the Constant two. adjustments, constant movement, constant so watching. Three touches. three touches. So Three touches, we, yeah. So quick. We did this in Germany for three times 12 minutes. So I'm like, okay. They are ready. Let's do it. So on the half field only, not 18 to 80, no full field, half field. Guess how, how much time they did it for the first time. Then I felt like they just, they're just going to collapse. What do you think? Four minutes. I was going to say four, four, four and a half minutes or so. <laughs> 215. <laughs> 215 and normally you go 12. 2.15 and they were like, coach, come on, man. So they have to rest and we did it. So when we won the championship at the end of the year, they did four minutes and 55 seconds, almost five minutes. Three so they times. got it up. But three times. All right. In Poland, they did 3.15. The Philadelphia guys, they did about 250. It's, uh, and we did, so this is such a difference. My point is the difference of intensity between German Bundesliga, MLS, Poland, wherever it is. 
wow. if you do 12 minutes like that then you know you're not going to stop you just always in the constant movement everybody is moving and that's where you have possession then you have a good how you say that um when the ball is lost you you just get the ball back uh, pressing pressing and you know going after and cover you know cover for the players everybody knows during these games what to do just simple example it sounds like rondos but uh just a different kind of uh where you're just getting the type of touches that you need at the level of the intensity that you need and also maintaining that intensity for as long as you need to build up that stamina and, and, that's, and this is what you brought your championship year right yes that's why I was started. But the most important thing was when I, you know, was, I have a, one, one mentor when I was still in Chicago in 2001, you know, I was already 37 years old, give, believe it or not. And I need the spark. I know after 2000 season was disappointing not to win the cup, right? The MLS cup, we lost to Kansas City. It was very disappointing. And I need the spark because I, I, I felt like I was losing in terms of like, oh, you know, I'm getting old and this everything comes back to me. I can just play on my routine and still being good. And I, I felt like I was losing. And I met the guy, his guy in Chicago, his name is Jim Fanning. And Jim is the mentor, he coached the tennis players, golfer and so on, very like, and we start talking to each other and having one session after another. And basically he, he teach me one thing. You know, like we going to jobs and interviews or meetings, you know. Can I play? I play since that season and later on as a coach as well. He teach me how to play 90 minute game in my head in 10 minutes. Can you do this? No. You can do it. I mean, I, mean, I yeah, can try. Can. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, in your head. Job, or you have big meetings, all right? Mm -hmm. Big meetings and you prepare yourself for sure. the Okay, yeah, you know what? I I can do that because I yeah. mean we do game plan. Exactly. Yeah, but, yeah. So you're preparing yourself for the stuff that it could happen on the field. So who are you gonna play against? How are you gonna play? What will happen if this guy's doing this? What will happen if you're losing? What will happen if you're winning? So you start making your decision on before the game starts. So you're not surprised when this actually happened right it, it helps me tremendously you know the people like oh you have a nose for that oh you're lucky with this substitution i'm like guys this is you know this is my know-how how to do it but it's still you know i have this already in my head what will happen if you so visualize you, you play different scenarios for for that and that's Having different match plans yes exactly right because you know in old days there wasn't like videos and this and that and we just talk as the players we talk and kind of analyze it without that yeah you guys weren't so dependent upon like watching tape i imagine and i'm sure there was you know is that they come to the conclusion when you know when on average when we, I, I read this and i i studied this on average the players getting they are on the ball three to four minutes in the game total like two percent so would you do in 86 87 minutes without the ball when to run when to cover how to run where to run it's all in the the, the the training when you do the training have to be the game situation so it's important to understand that you know i can see who is good player or not with the movement if he's smart enough to feel this this that and i play with them not just because i want to you know 
I have showed them the ego, how good I am. I play with my players because I want to see how they feel, how would they see. Is this, you know, speed of thoughts. See how they understand the game. It's more, more like not game, but understands the reaction so I can correct them. Mm, yes. You know what I mean? I coach the correct, yes, coach the correct reaction. Instead of, uh, instead of doing the same wrong play, hey, you keep putting me in this wrong position over here. You're, you're making me do all this work I shouldn't have to do. You could play the simple ball and we could redirect it and, and trying to right. prevent yeah. those types of things from happening right. and, and correcting them in the moment. Right. And th this is the also, you know, I always, I always feel like a coach as a player too. And I told you the story with Christo when he really upset, pissed me off. I mean, I'm right. not, you know, when he came and crossed the other side, I came to him and said, Christo, play to me. Why are you switching the field? And he's like, Petka. But you see the, this going, the ball like Gillette, man, like Gillette. I'm like, listen, but <laughs> I'm not that old, young anymore. I, I, you're taking me out of the game. I need to be. You play with me, you just go, I'm going to play. And we score a lot of goals like that. Then he play and just start to run it, and I put the ball right behind the defense or wherever he was. As and soon those, as you guys made those adjustments. Exactly, exactly. So it's like you have, to, you know, the playmakers. Why is not playmakers? Why you see the people like they don't understand when you have advantage in the number, you don't need to switch. When you have 3v2, you know, it's like 10 versus 10 game, right? And I always said, why I need to keep six defenders in the back, right? When it's only two players, two strikers. Only, only two of them have the ball. Why do you, why do you need two. that many? I only need two. No, it's three, for instance, six versus three. Yes. How are they going to score a goal? You go in training and they play six defenders versus three strikers, they're not going to score. score. And in the game, it happens. <laughs> Every time. Yeah. It happens. But my point is, you have to take advantage of the, you know, of... Um, the, 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 advantage, the bad advantage. The numbers, yeah. And then, you know, the same was when I coach, you know... The a mini power play, if you will, from like hockey. It's the like a mini power play. Different, you know, and, you know, I when I introduced 352 to disunited or believe it or not uh we went over preseason playing four two three one we couldn't score the goal and we have aleko Escandari and we have jaime moreno who and, scored 100 goals and we we went to the second camp and then believe it or not i switched to to three five two ten days before work with them ten 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 days before the season starts and we play uh, San Jose, the MLS defending champion, the first game. And we beat them with 3-5-2. Because it's very, 3-5-2 is basic system that everybody understands. Everybody. And the 4 2 one's more complicated? No, it's, it's, it, this is where people make excuses in terms of they making air, uh, they marking air, they mark nobody. You see four defenders, there's only one striker. And the four of them, they are standing there. So it means that you're losing some numbers in the midfield. This guy's in the midfield is going to run like crazy because they are in, um, you know, that is not matching the numbers. Too many you know? cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. And then you wonder with yourself why this guy's, you know, um, losing the energy because there's, there's no matching with the numbers. You have to use your numbers in advantage, not in disadvantage in terms of, you know, going forward and playing football, you know, playing game. Uh, so you're talking like formation. What's more important, formation or philosophy? Philosophy. What What was your soccer philosophy? 
Except they're winning the games, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, listen, I felt like, why I need to introduce 3-5-2 to them? Uh, that is basic system. Uh, the guys in DC learned this very quickly, but, you know, being like in the, during the, 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 the season, we, we went so-so. We have 500, under 500, I believe. And then we lost to Chicago Fire in Chicago 3-0. We beat first New York, New York in the 4th of July game, uh, 6-2. So we've been, you know, beating good teams and sometimes just the players didn't, didn't care or I don't know what's the reason. Was I know later on. And we lost to Chicago and we have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We train, but very short, one hour. And we have this heart-to-heart meetings, first in the locker room, then on the... We were sitting on the, you know, on the pitch and talking like a partners, like a friends. And I asked them, I said, the Monday meeting was the chairs were flying, Dima goes crazy, everybody was just, because I challenged them. I want to challenge them because I felt like this group is capable of unbelievable things. They just need to be convinced. Some of them, they don't want to press. Peter, why we need to press? Some of them, they like, listen to the coach. Some of them... Ah, listen, we've been already, we didn't make a playoffs for three years. Who cares? We still have guarantee contracts and stuff. So I challenged them. The, the first day I challenged them. After this, this, this day, I talked to them like a partners. And the third day, we talked like what we can do to make it better. And after this day, Tommy Son received the call later. I did receive the call from Ryan Nelson, who was the captain. And he said to me and Tommy said, we're going to do it. Whatever you ask us to do, we're going to train like you ask us to do. And we're going to win. Bought in. And since, since that day, we, I don't think we lost the game. I think we went 13, 13 games on beating streak, including the MLS Cup. <laughs> to finish the season. That, that's actually something that what you're talking about with there. Uh, I want to know how you deal with a losing team because this kind of relates to when we're going to get into the fire, it kind of relates to that with how to deal with a team that has been losing for quite a few years and is, even though they have a great, great talent within that team, how to deal with the fact that you are losing with that team as a coach. So let me ask you this. You think it's talent overrated or not? Talent or work overrated. ethic. I think, I think work, work ethic, I would is take work ethic over every day. Yeah. Why, why you, do you think that I give you the story about my father and then German, uh, the Swiss guy? You know, I have a talent. Yeah, you, a, talent a lot of people have a talent. It's the work ethic. It's putting in the hard work to get there. It's not maybe work ethic. It's to understand that you are part of something. Either it's going to be Young Boys Band, uh, 1860 Munich. You are part of something special. I said that, it, I, I, uh, Yes. And this is, this is not just, you know, as I said about DC, DC didn't make a playoffs with the same group. Um, they did they make playoffs, they lost, sorry. They lost to, they lost to Chicago Fire in, in the first round. All right, that's why how, how I get the job at DC. Because mm -hmm. I was with the Chicago Fire, I was the director of international relations or whatever the, the title was. And uh, Kevin Payne was like, in a, you know, I was in the suites with the guys and explaining some, some stuff, and Kevin asked me what I think. Kevin Payne, though, he was the president of DC United. Wow. Big person, you, you know. You didn't know what you were interviewing for your job. 
And then we start talking, and he said, "Why don't you come to DC to well, let's let's talk us, uh, let's talk about the the job." So I came. I have, I James and Jim, I John. I literally have five presentations with the lineups, five presentations of about fifty pages each. Lineups. You're you're walking in with this. Roster. I was walking in the first interview. I was having five presentations of 50 pages each possible scenario to play each and i got the job but you're thorough you're that's ready prepared. That's coming there was prepared. not 352 in there believe it or not there was not 352 in there but oh you didn't wow I said, you adapt i said 352 is way of life which means 352 i have these guys in uh, in poland the lechiak dance which I introduced the 352 based on Fiorentina team. That was a couple of years back. And I love the way they play. I love the way they press. And basically, we, we run like a, uh, like a, the first couple of weeks were like a children running in a, in a fog, you know, like they didn't know what to do. Chickens with their heads cut off. You have to take the hand and talking to them and going in the boardroom and I mean, the, the, the meeting rooms explain to them drawing i have two big boards on the field every training to draw every possible scenario for them so they can hear it visualize and play so basically it was play analyze play and it was very intensive but there was a lot of also talking about like two minutes three minutes very intensive and then we have the time the other group making another three minutes and this we talk about what to improve and how so they actually analyzed by themselves and it took them really with, with the first you know was four weeks preseason five weeks preseason we beat the champion 3-1 at home first game 5-0 uh the second place 5-0 you know we've been and these guys we beat the polish champion at home 2-0 like warsaw and these guys camped after the game to me there was four months since we started working and that was very, like, for me, it was very uh, encouraging because they said to me, coach, and I'm like, so now after four months, you said it's not going to work 352. Nobody did play in Poland 352. And what? What do you say now? And they said, you're going to wake up us at four o'clock in the morning, two o'clock, whatever it is, we're going to play 352 like, like that. And we played that, that season, basically, we introduced three systems we play. Mm -hmm. So we can. We can uh, flex like it. We can change the system during the games. So it was never like flexible. You can, flexible, but you never know what's going to come and which way. We're very unpredictable. So they learned three basic systems. We played three, two, four, one. Basically, the midfield was was like this: two wingers, and the midfield was like a uh, how you say that, like a square. Okay. Two defensive midfielders, two two playmakers. Okay, yes, I got it. Yeah, I got it. Right? And the five guys basically went of full pressure. Because how are you gonna send, you know, that even with the with the Polish national team, they're saying they have three big strikers. Lewandowski, Milik, and Piontek play for AC Milan. Three strikers. Why they cannot play three strikers? I don't I don't understand. I don't. Because you can what what team, imagine that, what team will send 
if you have if, if they not gonna come back the three strikers they're gonna stay at the midfield line right right tell me which team is gonna send and leave these guys with three people so you play seven v seven no they won't they'll play wow so if you Lewandowski Piontek Piontek play for AC Milan Lewandowski by Munich Milik play for a uh, Napoli right mm -hmm. and they you told them you, you I will tell them I will tell them just don't pass the midfield line just stay there tell and me which kind of team in the world will leave three guys with three guys none so now you have, so you have four minimum four you're gonna leave right minimum four you're gonna have to leave you just three all man right. back line and probably the a wing back or a four man back line all four guys i agree i agree so now you have seven versus six seven your defenders versus six go and in training and let the six score a goal on you how many goals they make on the 10 attempts uh, against seven six against, against seven, seven? Defenders, six forwards <laughs> uh maybe two maybe maybe, maybe. So that's my point, that's my point. you, you got to take into consideration all the elements that is going to make the team successful you know all of these guys asking me how we beat this united in the final in 98. Mm -hmm. we come with the with the with the system that nobody can get in the head mentality no we talk the system oh okay roman kosetsky cannot play this game he was injured with he got hamstring and didn't train and play two or three weeks before the final and bob asked me what do I, what i think i said bob jeff agus is always going forward right but just leave roman up there and he said but he cannot run i said it doesn't matter jeff agus seeing roman and knowing he have a pace he cannot leave him on the speech he cannot move forward jeff agus in the final when you watch the first half didn't move forward at all and we make this combination that we switch we play basically like i would say very very strange system that nobody can figure out i was going to tony sane to the left side as a yeah. right back tony was a right back all right and i was not covering him because i knew he's not going to go forward if he goes then i have a room to go behind that's how we scored the two goals gotcha right so you have to as i said about this scenario you have to take this cons into into this consideration how to make the advantage in the numbers what is going to make you to win the game what i said about my father that's how i do all the preparation for the games i need to you know sometimes i need to think about it and the guys in Lechia also ask me many times the president or the, the vice president peter who is going to be up front this guy now he have a great form right and i'm like listen let, let me think about it right let me sleep on it and i come back next day and i choose completely different guy and he scored like michael pashawa first game we play versus Jagiellonia, where is frankowski from right okay yeah he was in the game. I, I like Frank, i like Jagiellonia. sorry yeah yeah <laughs> i i inherited a like of yaga of yaga from somebody else i know all right so sorry john to say but in a four games or five games we beat them five four three four in a championship run they uh, we beat them in bialystok as well and frantic played this game so was was i put marco parshao the, the other guy was very good in the preseason 
in all camps. But I had just have this hunch that is he's only he scored three goals or two goals, whatever it was. Wow. Right. And sometimes, as I said, this is this is coming to me. Sometimes I make a mistake. Sometimes, but believe it or not, this uh, the the funny story was with um, when I moved to Philadelphia. I uh, you know uh, I got the rent the house from Thomas Edison. There was Thomas Edison house from 1927. Thomas Edison's house. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and there was the description on it, and there was a funny thing about this uh, in the house. It was some kind of I don't know, it was plate, or plate, or something like that. That about this that he tried to find the, the, the light bulb 10,000 times. Somebody asked him if, somebody asked him, how is this, Thomas, that you failed 10,000 times mm -hmm. to try to invent the light bulb? And he said, no, I find 10,000 times, I found that it's not working. It's completely different, you know, it's like falling and do it better. You know, you fall and you do better. Right? It's the same with the game. If something goes wrong, and I saw it, I make the interview like in the playoffs, and I saw it firsthand. The our players right now, and when, when you talk about even the our players or the, the players from the Chicago Fire, how you or Jones was saying, how you overcome adversity. Yes. Because every can everyone can play when you're winning, like they win five zero. This is easy game. One, two, three, zero, and then you just oh, go with the flow. But what happened? What kind of mentality you will have when something goes wrong? When you're losing one nothing, when you're losing zero two, or what, you're what, losing for nothing. What you gonna do to 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 switch the tables, to turn the tables, flip the script? Yeah, exactly. And I told you the story, James, like when we talked the first time about the tunnel in at Soldier Field, right? Yeah, that's uh, how you do. So it it's about mentality. You, you, it's like establishing this. Um, it, the game is won before the game even starts, and you have to start that way. And then also, it's presentation uh, to the, even to the other team. You got to let the other guys know that uh, on the other team that you know you're not afraid that you are here to mean business, and that when you come to Chicago, guess what? You're going to regret coming to Chicago. Well, I you'll know. enjoy the food. You'll enjoy the food, <laughs> but you're not going to enjoy the on-field play. You are going to hate. And here's actually something else I was thinking about, Peter, and I was listening to a TED Talk yeah. earlier today. I heard this TED Talk talking about humans, uh, the, the rise of the human species, and it had two key things uh, about them and that I really liked and I thought I wanted to bring to the podcast. Well, and you were talking about earlier, you said that one of the key things uh, at, at Young Boys at, at Chicago Fire, you were a part of something special. You were part of a, a of a story, uh, a, a narrative, a, a, a fiction narrative, but that's also real life. Like there's the reality, and then there's the fiction part, and like we all you buy into the fiction, and it becomes reality at some point. It kind of you know affixes itself to it, and. So you being a part of that young boys experience that and, and being a part of that Chicago Fire narrative really cemented you uh, and made you feel connected to the community. And I think that that cementation, that network of cooperation that mm -hmm. had that needs to exist for all the that on all levels for that to, to be a happy existence does not exist in the fire right now. You need a network of cooperation between from the fans to the players, from the players to the coaches, from the coaches to the front office, from the front office to the uh, owners, from the owners to the staff of the of the uh, of the bridge of, of the building. 
Um, you need a network of cooperation and you need to maintain these networks. You can't just let them fall into disrepair. And, and you were talking about being a part of something special. And I was just wondering if the fire kind of need to embrace this idea of like a villain mentality in MLS. Like you'd be the bad boys of MLS, like, you know, wild things going on in the back of wild thing. Dude, dude you make my, and like, you know, Charlie Sheen's walking out with like uh, sunglasses and, and like major league, but like to adopt that bad boy villain image of MLS and to make soldier field or to make Bridgeview, like what it feels like to play against the bears defense. I remember, uh, at least from all the, from all of my memories of, uh, of, of section eight and like what I've been told about what it was back then. Cause you know, I was about like maybe three or four years old at the time. So I don't remember too much myself, but, uh, I, you mentioned, uh, something, uh, Peter mentioned something about the tunnel, uh, and how you guys talked about it. I think I know what you guys may have been talking about, which is there's a uh, back then in soldier field, they allowed, uh, section eight to put up some banners in the tunnel and there's one banner that i have saved on my phone that mm -hmm. it just reads we are chicago you have been chosen tonight for all those before you for all of us now and for all those to come onto your colors and your privilege and <laughs> like it's just the idea of it's this sort of community and believing in it uh right now it's tradition but back then they were building a tradition and just believing that it will be a great club what we were talking about is the idea of like looking over about 45 degree angle at the other team, you know, the leader or whoever the captain is or one of the players and just be like, <laughs> how many are going to give up to us today? We don't, we don't, Three, we four. right, James, we talked about even, it. Don't even talk to them. But I like, told, just, I told right all the you, players, the, yeah. the Bocanegras, the Beasleys, whoever come to our team, right? And then we saw this firsthand that couple of games, you know, first couple of games we were winning, we we're strong and fast and, we just go and then beat everybody. And then I told them, all of them, most of them, that I said, listen, when this guy stand, the other team stands in a tunnel, you don't, you look at them like, you know, not being arrogant, but you give them the look that you don't talk, you don't do any, come on guys, because the other team was doing this. You just look at them with the, with the meaning that, listen, you guys gonna pack the bag sooner or later, all right. If we have a good day, you're going to get five. If we have a so-so day, you're going to get four. When you have a okay day, we're going to get three and go home. All of them. So we never talk. Let's let when we go outside with the referees and the other team, there was quiet. Like hell. There was no word saying to nobody because that was our strength, the inner strength. Whatever happens on the field, uh, we, we, it's not like we won all the games. But the inner strength, and there was for years like that. Whoever came to Chicago, I felt this. You know, I'm not talking even, you know, the Section A was... An inner strength. But this United, Dave, Dave Casper, as a technical director, I think, at that, that time, or GM, he was, he had nightmares of this fire, fire, fire. He, he had nightmares, all right? He knew this song, like, forever. Yeah. Okay? So... I mean, this is this is all John is and James is come together to the the winning culture. I think that is missing right now. For many pieces, many pieces not fit together, you know. And what James was saying, I think, what is also in my mind, we are very authentic. Like John said about the the palace, wherever we went, right, James? Uh, John, what was that palace? We did. Um, oh yeah, uh, yeah. With your sister, or 
yeah, what, uh, we could just say haunted trails because that's basically the same run yeah. of things. So we we went there and there was no that we need to go there and somebody remind us or somebody give you the appearance uh, stuff and you were like, how why I need to go? We were authentic, all right, for bad or worse because I was in the Polish neighborhood. Kosetsky was uh, later, you know, we've been, I'm not saying parting, but we've been part of this and we've been authentic. We're not being as stars, even we know we are good, we were in the stars, right? Because I always said that a star team will never beat the team of stars, all right? The team is more the key issue in here to create the bond and you have a team, all right? If you don't belong to the group, you better pack your bags and get the hell out. Okay, this was the, the that was the motto for many many years. If you fit in the group, you will find a satisfaction, fame, success, and so on. Because this is most important thing to create the group of players, like you know Ben used to say when we won the championship. All right, personalities, egos, big egos. All right, but the egos to understand that. This is not important what I know as a coach. It's important what they learn from me. Being proud, being fearless, being successful, create the family, all right? That's most important thing, I create the team. Even of the personalities, because you can buy, if Qatar will buy the most stars in the world, or they have more money than anybody in the world, they still not world champions. They cannot win the world championship in football, in soccer. Right, even they have money. Money will not buy you the championship. Can help you to build a team, but not gonna give you the championship in terms of creating the team and mentality. If you cannot do this, then whatever you do is not gonna work. It's not gonna work. The team have to fit in all pieces, as we saw about the Philadelphia. Why I have a peace of mind in at DC United. I have a great president. I have a great GM. Casper, Dave Casper, they come to the, every training, believe it or not, to watch the training. It's not because of Freddie Adu or judging me. Right. Right. They felt like they belong to the group. And after this, we have Monday and Wednesday, we have a lunch together. We talk about Polish Kielbasa. We have a jokes. We talk about the little players. And I was three o'clock at home. And when Dave came and said, Peter, I have a Christian Gomez. Take a look at them. Uh, take a look at him. I said, uh, Dave, I trust you enough. Don't bring me the player just for the player. I want to have a player who going to help me to win the championship. And if you scout the players and you buy the players or getting the players, you will have this mentality in you. All right. And Christian came and believe it or not, one week we were like, this guy cannot play soccer. That's right. Uh no, uh, people on the team, right? Were doubting him. They were coming to you. Jaime Moreno said, "Coach, who is this guy?" Ben was like, <laughs> him out, man. Ryan Nelson come like, "Coach, that was a mistake." And I'm like, "Easy, guys. All right, let me work with him. Let me talk to him. Even it's I don't speak Spanish, right? if I don't speak Spanish, but I can relay on the stuff. And then you know, I still was running around and running around with the players, and I talked to Christian." And believe it or not, next week he started scoring goals in training like nobody believes it. And all of a sudden he was the you know league MVP. Uh, but, league 
MVP of 2006. <laughs> but that's that's my point. But you have to have a trust between those components. And I talked to James the other day when we talked about Philadelphia issue, all right, that this is, I was drained because the, everybody was running in a completely different direction, all right? You don't have this trust. And listen, Kevin is, was, have, have been uh, with uh, IAG for many years. He was president and chair, like a GM for four clubs. So it was like, you know, he was a big person for me as a rookie coach, right? But we find the understanding of we trust each other to win the championship, this way or another. And I give you the example with Ernie Stewart. Ernie Stewart at middle of the season, right before the Chicago game, all these meetings and stuff. Ernie Stewart come to the, I don't know what happened, but he wants to play as number 10. He came to me one day, said, coach, I'm going to play number 10. And I said, Ernie, listen, I might be a bad coach or rookie coach, all right? But let me ask you this. How many times you play for US national team? 102. And I'm like, and what position did you play in this 102 games? Right midfield. So why the hell you want to play in the middle? <laughs> you have five coaches or six coaches who choose to play you on the right side. Why I need to change? Why you need to change? Ah, because I felt like, listen, trust me, you can always, we can rotate. We rotate a lot. And I make the game basically on the very good rotation in the middle. So everybody was, you know, when one position was um, not, it was open, then other, you know, was basically rotation position like total football, let's say. Right, total football. But everybody was touching the ball. It, nobody was isolated. And this how, you know, you talk to the, you talk, you ask me about the MVPs, how you talk to them how you encourage them, how you give them the inspiration. Yeah. Being a man, being authentic, not, you know, selling them something that is not real because they will, they, they, they are very smart. They Let's know, you're not gonna, I'm not saying about lying, but they will feel like, you know, you are full of something, you know? So. Right, right. Uh, and you're, it, it's, you're talking about it right now. Um, oh man, where did I, What's the questions there? I, I have a. I, you're talking about it right now, so it's like, oh man. But so really, we, we've covered a lot. We, you, I, I was going to ask you about your your people that you know were big in your life. It seems like you were mentioning your coaches, your dad, um, and, and quite a few of your old coaches. So we covered quite a bit there. MLS versus Bundesliga. You were talking like the level of Bundesliga is just so much higher, uh, as far as like just even physicality, just a physicality alone. Uh, do you think that uh, that could change uh, sometime soon? Do you think it has changed at least somewhat uh, with between the difference between MLS and how it is in Europe? Because I know with uh, Tata Martino, when he came in, he did a lot of just building out of the back and playing very, very hardly hard tactical soccer in Atlanta when he brought it in. So do you think mm -hmm. it's changed somewhat? It may not be exactly on the level of Europe yet, but it's getting better. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying we, we change for worse. Even the results of the national team lately with the World Cup shows completely different stuff, right? And I don't uh, necessarily agree with the way it's doing. We spend too much money for the players that we cannot sell, right? And if, if you see even Philadelphia Union, they are what, number one right now, right? Mm -hmm. The union is yeah, number I'm one. I'm currently leading them. 
and and basically basically there was a concept from the beginning that uh, the academy will be leading feeder for the uh, for the team right because of the financials because of uh, different stuff and you know um, the the team of the club build build this a uh, feeding system that they don't rely on the big signings they have mostly the guys i don't know nine ten the guys right now they are from the own academy and then wayne rooney <laughs> is it not all right no, let's, not, we're I talking have, about philly i have, oh. I have here I, have, I, I like was looking at this and some of material uh today before the, the podcast and believe it or not borussia dortmund um there was one of the examples borussia dortmund in 2013 changed the model when club was on the board all right changed the model completely and i know the information i have from michael zork and I, I know i i play with him as well mm -hmm. so i have those information they changed the model in terms of the financials they said this is our model for uh, financials in terms of the accuring the players right uh the average they have in the champions league versus manchester city 2013 they have uh average 24 guys uh, 24 years old the only one player have to, was 27 in that that game all right nine of those players were germans and then the highest signing was not over five million dollars or five million euros sorry all right and the club quad was and michael michael zorg was as well saying we're not going to blow our financial system for anybody for any player in the world if you want to come to us you have to adjust financially but because the borussia dortmund is like bayern munich big name right we have a great city we have great fans and so on you have to adapt financially because you will find the success in our team which means it's going to open the door for the future for you together even bigger like marco Goetz said and uh, what is there Osil, right? No, Osil was in Bremen. But there was a lot of guys, they camp and go, right? Even right. Our, our guy, Christian Pulisic, right? Uh, it, it seems like you're talking about, Zlatan was talking about this other day, that soccer in America is kind of has this, like, they're trying to make money first, and they're maybe trying too hard to start with making money instead of, like, focusing on soccer. And most teams that he, Zlatan was saying was that, you know, they really don't, make money in soccer really all oh, the bayer munichs the bow russias the Ma manchester united's are the ones that are making the big money and then the other guys are just in it for passion right L listen it's not only for passion you you want to stay on certain level in terms of way rooney and zlatan and david beckham Machiavelli, myself like all these guys who came to the league with uh, you know some kind of mark you want to keep you know you want to want to be on top mm -hmm. that's why we are who we are right right You're not gonna go from being the best to being the worst or uh, you know just mediocre mediocre is not for us i mean there wasn't for me anyway but my my point was that you know because of the 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 years over the years the the league changed as well you have the the guarantee contract you cannot you know the mls players union you prevent you to train twice a, a day prevent you to do this i was always in the favor when i was you know with dc and later with philadelphia to have the contract like they do in germany all right in germany it's very simple you're coming to the team all right the big stars have a completely different level but the, the other guys to compete to to make them compete for something right that's what you make it better so therefore for instance you have ten thousand salary dollars right mm -hmm. but you have twenty thousand for being in the first 11. Mm -hmm. so it's the difference difference if you're gonna say oh 
I have a guarantee contract. Why I need to do it for 30,000, right? Let's say, give or take. In this case, you have 10,000. If you not compete or you're not better than the number two on your position, then you have only 10,000, right? And you have no little incentive. If you, if you oh. start the game, you have 90. So you have over a million dollars in a year. Is the difference? Yeah. Yeah. That's where that's where we have to come to this point that we will we will expect that players gonna get better, but based on the competition winning the team. We gotta reward competition and make competition happen, facilitate it. And yeah, and then if because of the rules, if the rules can prevent, you know, I have one of the DC United players, right? He was injured. I'm not, you know, there's no point to mention the name it was 12, 16 years ago, 15 years. He was injured. And we have a rule that we have at some point like seven injuries. It was too much. And I'm like, is something going on here? I, I don't know what. I was just, it doesn't smell well, right? So I said, I come next day, I'm going to have to come with a solution. As my father said, if there's a problem, there have to be solution. Where there's no solution, there is no problem. Oh, so so basically it was like this. I came next day to the to the to the team meeting and I said, "Listen, guys, right? Because we have this injury, I don't want to, you know, um, lose another players, and then want to speed up the process of the uh, the recovery. So the in injury players have to come back, uh, come have to come to the facility about eight o'clock in the morning. So when the players, we have a couple of guys injured, so you can make a therapy." And when the team is coming uh, at about 9.45, then they have to tape, the, the, uh, because we have only two physios, right? So they have to make a tape and this and prepare the first team. And then you come back about, uh, you have lunch, and then you come back for the therapy about 3.30. So that was the rule. I set up the rule in the locker room. Right? A rule. It's the coach's rule. Yeah. And believe it or not, James, after three days, there was nobody in the training room. There was no injuries. No. <laughs> wow. Because if you can, if, if you if you have to come eight thirty in the morning, and most of these guys live in the suburbs, you have to leave about six a.m. Right? Mm -hmm. Because of the rush hour traffic in DC, you have to right. leave yeah. six a.m. And now. 3.30 to 4.30, you have to leave 5, so you're in rush hour another, and you're going home, and you are at 7.30, and then 6 o'clock, you have to wake up again and go to the therapy. Three days, the, 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 the medical room was empty. Wow. If you were really injured, you'd be willing to deal with that, <laughs> but obviously. But believe you know, it or not, it's, it's true, right? But, right. You know, and then I have this guy who lives in the city, so who have like 15 minutes to, to the facility, to RFK Stadium. Yeah, <laughs> he was every day for the therapy. He didn't care. Always late. And I said, "Listen, all right, out of respect, I'm coming here before you, and it's not like I'm sitting like a police watching you if you're coming or not. But just out of respect for these guys, they're waiting for you in the medical room. You're always late." So I talked to him once, twice. I said, "Listen, is it third strike? All right, I will find you five hundred dollars." And the team, the, the, the you know, Jaime, uh, Ryan Nelson, the team management, Ernie Stewart, agreed because I asked him. That's and a small fine, too. But he said to me, coach, get lost. 
get lost. Because uh, what, what, did you tell him to get lost? <laughs> no, he said to me, get lost, coach. Because yeah. in uh, in uh, CBA, you cannot find me more than 10% of my salaries. So it's 250. Once. Get lost. That's what he told me. What are you going to do in this case? Uh, I, I, you get rid of the guy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. He still won the championship with us. Uh, did he turn around? Did he change his attitude? What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> it's not just some you just can't. Some you just can't win. Some of just just can can have this 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 drive. They, some of them they just going around the business like, oh, losing. You know what what really upsets me with even with DC and later with Philadelphia and all this. Uh, uh, even with the Olympic team, U.S. soccer, you, we won most of the games. Mm. All the teams I coach, most of them. But I remember this moment when we lost one or two games, you know, one game, and we've been very good. We just lost one game or whatever it was. And the players come to me and say, like, Coach, don't worry, man, we're going to win the next game. And I'm like, what about if this is the playoffs? Then we all go fishing now. What about that? If you don't have today, how do you think you're going to go and having tomorrow? So you're not going to go switch like a light switch and go up and down, on and off. This is not the car when you're going to turn off the, you know, turn on the, your, your engine. You've got to be consistent. Okay, I understand when something goes wrong or we've been unlucky, but certain values and principles got to be there, man. If you don't have it, we just go, you're going to waste your talent. I did my five minutes. I have my five minutes, which I'm very proud of. Okay. I will change my couple of things when I know what I know today. But every, every, probably every man of, um, you know, on the planet will say the same thing. Oh, I will flip it. Uh, I will change it a little bit here and there. But the point is still, I don't waste my time for the players who waste the talents. You can have excuses or you can have results. <laughs> results or excuses, not both. You have results or excuses, but not both. Uh, I've remembered my question that I wanted to ask you. Let's we'll start digging into the fire, but we've been avoiding the fire. But it's been so it's fun. Okay. Uh, I'm, it's I've been, been waiting to talk about it. Uh, yeah, we'll start digging into the fire. Uh, my, my my first kind of leading question is the GM coaching dynamic uh, or technical director and like how they're all doing different things. I know Nelson is the GM and the president. Oh. Uh, when you, back when you were a coach, what was the GM dynamic coach for you like? And did you find it better to have like a coach as your GM, another person who's played soccer or has had soccer experiences? You know, it's it's the the league is different right now. I I still okay. I still felt like the the president role like we have. You know, I I can give you the examples. I give you the examples with um, um, with Kevin Payne, but Kevin was you know he was very involved. But Kevin never was inv involved in any kind of draft picks, any kind of trades, mm -hmm. right? This come always, you know, as I said to Dave about, you know, get me the players that can win the championship. Don't get me uh, the players then they, you know, they think they can win the championship, all right? Because they, Dave was always like, oh, I have this guy in Pittsburgh, Riverhounds, you know, I know him, this great player. I'm like, Dave, can we win the championship with him? No, but he can, I said, if not, then you just give me the answer. That's not. You right? just said it. Yeah. And, you know, the point is still, I think 
the president, listen, we have Peter as a GM and then Bob Sanderman was a president. I saw Bob Sanderman maybe five times a year and the ones at uh, Mr. Ancho's ranch or twice. That's it, all right? And he was still conducting the business with his business or the team needs in terms of the name recognition, you know, everything that's come together. Peter was on completely different stuff and sometimes we didn't know, you know, I didn't agree with Peter running around the, the draft floor and doing the trace and, you know, <laughs> what are we gonna get? But, you know, to be, like, to be fair to him, when you see the classes, the rookie classes, what we have, right? You got, I just getting like uh, CJ Brown, right? First, Diego Gutierrez, I believe, Dima Kovalenko, no, Dima, I think 99 or 98, uh, 99, I mean. But Josh Wolf for sure, Ante Razov, right? It was, the, you see this draft picks, all right? Those, the trade, Chris Armas trade and so on. Right. All going later, 2000, you got Bisley, you got uh, Carlos Bocanegra. Wow. Later, you have Jim Curtin, all right? Later on, Damiani Ralph, Jade Nakwa, Logan Post, Sean Johnson, Nat, uh, Nate Jacqua, Patrick Nyarko, Chris Rolf. I mean, Segares. You got all the players, basically. You can see it over the, you know, five, six, ten years period that all of them, they were like significant part of the organization. Huge. Yeah, right? uh, you were naming all, you were listing off the names from earlier on, and uh, I have a poster up on my wall of, they did uh, back in 2008, like the all decade came for the fire, and almost all of the names that you mentioned, who they got, they're on that, they're on that list. You're on the list too, but they're all on the list as well. No, but my point, my point is, is just, you know, no, I don't want to criticize with this, just, just the facts that, you know, what you have in the from last five years, four years? The last, oh, the last 10. Draft? The last oh, God. Eight or 10. I actually did a, I recently did a, uh, a piece about what we've done with our drafts the past few years. And I think that we only have three players at all that we drafted that are still with the team. And yeah, only yeah. one of them plays. You, you might be right, John. I think it's, you know, when, when I, as I said, there was significant parts of, you know, I didn't, I, I, I'm telling you straight up, I love Peter Will to death, but I didn't like it when he was running like madman on the draft floor. I can tell you that, right? Uh, and later when I was DC, I'm like, Dave, please, all right? Get me the one pick and then I'm, I'm going to go out of here, all right? <laughs> this, please, all right? The same with the fire, with the, with the union. I have my first pick like first round pick and i just go i i don't want to have any second third i, I was not interested in that what did you what do you think of uh jim Curtin this past year uh trading away his entire draft listen it's it's as i said this is the structure within the team i think it's have to lot of to do with ernst Tanner, which uh, i have a great respect because he is from my my club 1860 munich when i was there he was uh, doing the the youth um, the youth uh, development training, and then you know he was the chef chef of this. I you know I have a great respect to him for him, and then we spoke uh, in a couple of times uh, this year, last year as well. So you know basically, as I said, the communication you have to trust your technical director to do this thing. You know you have to the as a coach, as I said, you have to make sure that everybody is on the same page. For the coach, coach need to just coach. 
That's what his job is, right? Job description to coach and win. You were talking about it, like w the conditions that you had to when you were able to coach at your best level. And you said the GM and the technical director, they're there. They're, they're part of the team and there's a trust. And the, the uh, what is it? The, the networks of cooperation basically were firing on all cylinders. They were being maintained and being helped. Uh, now going to the fire, what are your thoughts on like what's going on with the fire? Uh, what do you think of the current state? What do you think they need to change? And uh, if like you were owner or president in a way, in a way and money wasn't an issue and Peter Nowak could do whatever he wants. Listen, the, the part of what, what I always think that you, as I always said, and a couple of times I just, I posted too, you know, mm -hmm. that the vision, you have to have a vision. The vision without the action, you know what it is, right? It's nothing, it's chocolate. Waste of time. The action, the action without the vision is just doesn't work as well. But if you compare vision and action, you can change a lot of things. But you know, I've been thinking about that for quite some time, even, and there was always in my mind that in today's football or soccer world, right, this is not that the large fish is eating the small one. The fast one is eating the slower one. Which means, if you have teams you know in mls you have the same this is the philosophy what i have you know general that it is the teams in mls and all over the world they make out a lot of money they make a lot real madrid barcelona you know manchester whatever these guys on top right they have a huge amount invest huge amount of money and they have a results the other one is they making uh, out of the little, making a lot. So, right? There is some teams making a little out of the little. They don't have, they are where they are. And the last one is, there's a teams they're making a lot out of a little, which means that the teams have strategically, operationally, and tactically operated on the short, middle, and long-term projects or visions all right that's where as i said this is most important thing what kind of vision you have because you know making little out of lot you know you have those teams as well right like league of warsaw yeah. who can uh maybe make it to champions league and then sell off a whole bunch of players and, and cash they are, in they, are, they, they cash in or they are right now you know in the deficit right or mm -hmm. having problems for this that that buying the players on this buying the players is not the problem the problem is what you're going to do short term mid-term and long term what is your vision mm -hmm. it means if you can have like say operationally you have to offer the best product shorter today that's what we did in the uh, old days when uh, when we've been playing and stuff i told you the story in the park when we have this presentation nobody knew us right right so but we were and authentic authentic but with big giant pictures in front of it exactly. you guys were out there talking in front of yeah. them making right. friends basically and right. establishing yourselves inside the community right this so, was in the this was in the park right outside of soldier field right 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 so right. and then tactically you have to just control the risk management which means you cannot spend on the player who okay uh, is a uh, you know i don't know 10 million dollars 
but in reality he's worth three maybe because nobody's going to buy him back to europe you know if you look at this you know Beasley how Beasley went to 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 europe bocanegra arazov everybody went to europe even dima kovalenko went to you right to play there so you have to the risk management is okay can we have this money back can we you know get get even in the trade or getting uh, selling the players so I, I understand the contracts are up and you can the players can leave if you don't offer him but i think some of the 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 money not only for the fire but some of the players then bought in a mls they are not worth it they are not worth it the players. they're not worth what they were paid for and people te- some teams thinking that they might flip x player or y player for more money might be uh sorely misinformed guys just 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 as a sake of the uh, arg- argument what do you think i'm going to be worth today in mls uh, a, a Peter Nowak. Playing? Yeah. At Let's what say, age? I play in Munich like I play, and then I want to come to US. How much money I can get? And you were what, 28, 29, 30? No, was, no listen. Let's say if, if I'll be 28. You're 28, coming from uh, the best, one of the best Bundesliga midfielders. But 40 million around there? I mean, in, t- in, t- in today's world, one of the best winners. <laughs> yeah, like, there's, there's it's gonna a lot be of 20, Yeah, it's going to so, be between 15 and 40 million. After 98 season, 98 season, what can I, I be, you know, getting as a as a salary, guaranteed salary? Oh, it's four, four salary? million, five million? Yeah, I would have what to be designated player salary. What are you mean? Talking about? Ibrahimovic had six, are you crazy? What do you mean? <laughs> I mean, even he so, has has the had the name, but, but I mean, you you also had the name. So <laughs> no, it's it's not about the name. It's just about what you bring it. It's as I said, you know, I, I we we talk with James about it. That if I look at the run MLS, it's mm-hmm. maybe five players right now who change the game, the win the game by themselves. Mm-hmm. The Giovinco types. Right? Jovinko type. Zlatan, Yati, Valeri, Vela, and Alexander Katai. Katai. Oh, you got Katai on that list. So so there are five <laughs> five Ferraris in all of MLS, and all the rest are Fiats or Camrys, Toyota Camrys? No, I'm not saying the rest of Listen, this is going to be very, very like uh, disrespectful. No, uh, to I, the guys I play with because I I I I respect from Jesse Marsh to CJ Brown to Francis Ocaro all this stuff that's important to build the team because there's not only Ferraris going there. Ferraris are good if the you know if the the um, the wheels are in place, right? The, 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 only the wheels can go Ferrari, regardless what kind of motor you have or engine you in the back. The wheels are important and going to move you forward, not the, the engine behind it. Mm. If you don't have wheels, you're not going anywhere, even in that Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. So it's like, you know, that's how I see right now that you got you to gotta make a decision. You got to make a decision just, you know, as I said, to build a team. And I'm not, I'm not you know, I don't see the, the body language is just scary thing right now. Looking at the team, you know, when I see when the Georgie scored a goal and he looks like he's uh, upset about scoring the goal. Yeah, it was weird. He wasn't celebrating. He was like, he he was angry. It did look like it was a handball. (laughs) 
It yeah, but the body he, language he, has been has been for a goal. So he should ask for the VAR, you know, via VAR. He should ask. Yeah. He was like, yeah, the, go take a look if I was handball, you know? Because no, I, I know that like the difference between uh, somebody actually scoring a goal and believing they scored a goal and somebody who knows that they did a foul and it's not a goal because uh, what this past, uh, I think it was, yeah, yesterday uh, with the Chicago Red Stars, you know, Sam Kerr, blatant handball but ends up but still kicks the ball into the net turns around doesn't celebrate and everybody else is celebrating so it's the difference between you know knowing that you have something done and even celebrating if it isn't a goal just well sam kerr's also lamenting you know her australian (laughs) lost the world cup and and georgie's not georgie's he's a u.s men's national team player that's sometimes not starting for one of the last place teams in mls it doesn't make sense I don't agree with this because it, you scored a goal. Trust me, every player who scored a goal, your adrenaline goes to your roof right there. Up, yes. up. Right? And some of this, I don't understand that when the players switch sides, like teams, and they don't, they score a goal and they celebrate in respect to the fans or anything. Come on, guys. For Christ's <laughs> sake, score a goal. You, this is your new team. Celebrate with your teammates. Show them that you are part of this team, for Christ's sake. Be a part of the community. You already left. They don't don't care about you anymore. And it's not even about respect. If you truly respect them, you'd celebrate. Because, hey, guess what? I'm still dang good. You're missing me. And these are the goals. There you go. So it's it's like, listen, I don't don't understand this thing right now. And it's a lot of, as I said, no, I'm not saying it's BS, but it's a lot of like being politically correct or this or that. Show your passion for Christ's sake. Show your passion, show your heart, show them excitement. And that's what the team in the moment when I watch, you know, unfortunately I have the, the game in uh, behind me. I watch uh, on Saturday, right? On Saturday, because it's the local channel I have it here. So unfortunately I was in a, <laughs> in a good time to you watch You saw the that game. too? Yeah. So it, listen, it's like, come on guys, you know. I'm sure you can all do better, all right? So Absolutely. listen, guys, can I switch it because my battery is already done? So let me... Uh, yeah, switch me it. Okay. Go go, go grab it. Yeah, sure thing, Piot. And yeah, so Piot, when I was talking with Piot, we were talking and the all, the only purpose okay. is to bring the fire up. We, Piot's coming on this podcast because he wants the fire to succeed. He wants the fire, the players, everybody to catch on, figure it out, turn, flip the script and start going. Um, and, and that's, yes, we can see you. Just make sure you got your, uh, your battery and everything plugged in. Right, right, right. Uh, and so apparently I believe this is true. Piot, you brought in Pono to MLS. Did you not? Yes, I did. Was, you signed uh, Pono. I did sign Pono. I met, I, I've uh, probably, there was one, one of the strangest, like very strange because, you know, I was in a New York office. They probably find me again for some stuff I was doing on the field. Or, um, <laughs> all right. So I was in the MLS off headquarter office in New York. And then uh, the guy was sitting, you know, in the, in the lobby waiting for something. And I was waiting for, uh, you know, to get punished probably. Anyway, but we start talking and I look at him and I'm like, I know you. And he was like, yes, coach, we, you play. Uh, with this United, we play Getafe, and I was on this team. And we start talking, you know, it's like very nice gentleman. And I said, so what's going on with you? And he said, 
And Paolo said, listen, it's uh, been trying to get signed by the league, but it seems like then, then nobody is going to, you know, pick me up. And I said, so what did you do in the last couple of months and this? And I've been training with Serbia and this and that. And I'm like, listen, let's, you know, call me. I give him my number. I said, I'm going to think about it. And I signed him. I signed him a week later. And Paolo was very good in this team. In terms of, you know, he was still doing the stuff with the UEFA Pro. So he coached a couple of, uh, I think it was like uh, his, one of the points to make a, a exams for the UEFA Pro is to coach the team. Like uh, you have to get the proof of, you know, you've been coaching professional team. Mm -hmm. So uh, one week, this is one week. So he coached my team, the Philadelphia Union, for the week. Ah! And I, I was enjoying my time, but... Ah! <laughs> Yeah, but you know, as I said, there was. Ricardo so was, was your deputy for for a week. No, listen, it's. Oh, like, not even. But no, he was he was running the, the show. The guys were enjoying because it was something you know. I always said that you know, if you are with the team for quite some time, the message sometimes get old, right? Mm -hmm. That you know, the motivational speech, the pep talks, then the routine is sometimes get old. The so, Bella Gutman theory: uh, three years, four years, too many. <laughs> You being rude now, so. But anyway. <laughs> well, that's the theory for Bella Gutman, the famous uh, what was it, the famous coach, and yeah, he only would go to places and he'd famously stay only for three or four years before. But you you look at the you know everybody's saying Alex, uh, you know this uh, Ferguson yeah. and this and that and Wenger, you know the the oh yeah, the point is still theory. every two three years they change almost the whole lineup. Mm. So they have a new players to inspire. That's what it is. <laughs> if you are in the same circle talking all the time, you're going to get crazy. You're going to go insane. So you have to, you know, find a way to inspire them, to, to give them the confidence that at some point, I always said that at some point you have to sit on the bench like this, have your cigar, and just enjoying how what they do on the field. Because... Mm -hmm. That's the philosophy of coaching that when I see the coaches on the sideline showing the players well, they're like and shouting and correcting them where to play mid game. I said, you didn't you, you didn't do your job during the week because they don't know where to play. And when I start with all the teams I coach, I start on this rule, it's three passes rule. Which means three passes rule is where the third pass will end up being most of the teams in mls in poland they play on one pass i'm playing to you james and you will and i play to john no no you just i'm playing to you and this and is your it. role what you're going to do with the ball oh okay so now what we do we i play to you and as soon as the ball moves john will know where the ball you're going to play to him Another guy is going to know when the ball is going to end up. This is three-rule pass. So what I tweeted the other day, I said, what's the point of playing out of the back if you don't know where the pass is going, right? Where the next pass is going. Something like that. In this right. Case. So when I coach the team, I start with the three-pass rule. And believe it or not, most of the most of this stuff, we play with the five. After like two months, we play with the five-passes rule. Which means we know when the fifth pass we're gonna end up. Wow! So going up in levels because everybody knows what you're gonna do. So this is not only the concentration, imagination, uh, you know, uh, 
something you do in a locker room is just predicting where the ball is going to go. That's the whole point of, you know, playing the soccer game. So that's, uh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, it's, it's okay. Uh, but so my question about Pano and, and all respect, of course, to Pano, you, of course, have been in the coaching position and you, and you said yourself, uh, you got to be respectful to the coach. You got to support the coach as much as possible. But do you think Pano is struggling right now? And what do you think might help him? Listen, guys, I, I, you know, I'm not in position to analyze just truly because I don't know right. what's inside, but I can see the body language and I can see, you know, the results and uh, everything. But to be honest, completely honest, I was in the shoes as well. Everybody right. was gunning for me in Philadelphia. Everyone wants to have my head on the platter. All right. I know why. All right. Nick Sakevich, you know why? Right. <laughs> All the, all the people that make such a, you know, I'm not going to use bad words, but I know what it was. And I felt not only uncomfortable, all right, the people were tweeting bad things and, you know, my family was looking at this, you know, my, fa my phone was buzzing all the time. I turned it off later, but I know the feeling mm -hmm. when everybody is just, you know, constantly going after you and want to have your head tomorrow or maybe yesterday, all right? If you are in the shoes, and I was for quite some time, believe it or not, Sakevich wants to fire me already in the summer 2011. So he was waiting 11 months compiling the files and whatever it was, just to have a, a, arguments to fire me. All right? Trying to, try to really lay down the hammer on you? 11 months, this thing going on. I knew that. Okay? That's, for, that's the facts. I have uh, still emails about that. Anyway, my point is I've been there, and I know what the feeling is. All right, and it affects you doing your job as a coach in terms of the decisions process. I make my share of mistakes as well in terms of not the timing, the timing of the, you know, you want to win or tie the game wherever you play outside or winning the game at all costs, and you're making because this thing affecting you. All right, I will say leave the pounder alone, give him a time that he will feel comfortable from all angles from the management, from ownership, give him, him be, all right? If it's anything that could affect his work, get out of him saying, listen, you just coach your team, don't think about anything else, all right? It will come, it will come. I know it's been a couple of years now, you guys saying left and right, saying, uh, you know, three, four years or whatever, right? But if you believe in something, then I believe Pauno is the guy who believes in his you know, way of playing. Mm -hmm. I still feel that he need he needs some help because some of the decision I can see the bench. Mm -hmm. Those guys, you know, with all respect, right? I'm a little older for them, so I can say it. He needs some help in terms of the right decision. Right? I'm not sure how much respect, Eric, respect, right. how much Eric, and then uh, what is his name? The assistant coach, is uh, in uh, Marco, Marco. Marco. And Marco, Marco Eric Sarich, and helping him to have a cool head, mm -hmm. right? They need to go in the background. They don't need to be. He's a head coach, right? For good or for, for you know, for good or for worse or for bad. So leave him alone for just being him, right? Make him make his own decision in terms of, you know, I don't know the traits, I don't know the insights. You know, I'm looking from outside in, but it's still. 
I can see the body language. I can see the some components that make me say such a things. You know that, that there's concern that, that the team he needs some support in terms of just support, not just support like oh, Paolo, you're gonna do good. Don't worry, we're gonna be good. That's not gonna help him. All right, that's not gonna help him saying Paolo, you bet. All right, I think that's you gotta find. You know, as I said about my mentor, about Jim or a guy in Switzerland, somebody neutral who's going to tell him the truth, how it is, how, mm -hmm. and he's going to have enough trust to you to say, I have this trust in Dave Casper and then uh, and Kevin Payne. I he needs a soccer Gordon Ramsay to come in and be like, hey, I, this is not, we can't do this. No. Let's fix this. I, I don't think he is uh, like that, but I didn't have confidence with Nick Sakevich at all. Mm -hmm. All right. At all. Mm -hmm. I didn't trust him at all from the beginning. All mm -hmm. right? So that, that creates issues. Always, always some agenda behind it. Right. Always. All right. There was not like I can, I can, uh, I can do the stuff that you feel like you can do. And well, my, my point is, the team's got to help Pauno, and Pauno got to help himself. You know. Uh, speaking of the team, thoughts on the job? Uh, we talked about it briefly. Thoughts on the job that Nelson Rodriguez has done to put the roster together? Because yeah, it's, on the it's one hand, happen. it's a very talented roster, but on the other hand, it's a roster that's full of holes and was, missing some key pieces. I was going to ask about uh, that because you're talking about GMs and whether you trust GMs or not. Now I, I was wondering your opinion about Nelson Rodriguez because I know well, there's a lot of people with a lot of different, yeah, a lot of different opinions. You guys want to put me in a tough spot? No, huh? let's, let's not. <laughs> you don't. You don't have to. You, you don't need to, to answer it. But I mean, I was just making sure the question was asked. As I said about Bob Sanderman, I uh, 